everyone and welcome to the Connected Podcast. This is the place where we discuss people, ideas, marketing, technology and anything else that feels right. I am Sasha Rusu, Senior Planner for the TED Department at Mediacom. Hello, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And our guest joining us today is Nigel Robinson. How are you, sir? I'm very well today. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you, Sue. Delighted to be here. Honoured to be asked. Very honoured. About time we got you on, Nigel, is what we thought. <laughs> I did say. <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to it. So, yeah. But, yeah, no, you know, I feel like I'm following in the footsteps of, uh, you know, the greatest um, of Group and Medicom and all the other wonderful guests. So, you know, I'm, I'm humbled and honoured to be here. Amazing. Nigel Robertson is a managing partner here at Mediacom, where he's been working for over 20 years. Having worked with brands such as Direct Line, Sky, Mars, Shell, Lloyds Banking Group and many more, Nigel is dedicated to overseeing growth by building innovative solutions that drive sales and generate long-term brand value. Nigel has led client teams in the UK, managed the UK planning department, headed up our UK new business team and led global client teams across multiple territories. He now leads a business group of amazing clients whilst helping to transform the agency with new agile working practices. Uh, Nigel, as mentioned, very glad to have you on the show today. Um, considering how the last year has been how's your day-to-day been how has it affected your day-to-day and then also how has it affected you personally outside of work how has it affected me uh in many ways like everybody i think it's been a bit of a roller coaster hasn't it there's been sort of it feels like equal highs and lows at the same time i cast my mind back to when lockdown started and i predicted famously to my family that it would only last four weeks at the most um, I was absolutely adamant that there's no way that they could lock us down any longer than that because, you know, the, 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 the world would fall over and the economy would grind to a halt. And um, I, I should have known better than making any predictions like that. But, yeah, I can, I can remember when it kicked off, us spending the whole day on Teams, our brains fried. I remember after the first day just thinking, how on earth am I going to manage to do that every day? Just look into this computer screen and speak to people, you know, back to back. Um, but everyone just adapted. I think, you know, and I'm the same as everyone else, right? We, we just gradually got used to it. Um, but yeah, last year was so challenging, having to cut costs, rethink everything. It felt like the world had been turned on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so many businesses closed, you know, particularly retail and cars and those sorts of things. And ad spend just plummeted, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, went through the floor and, you know, we all panicked. Well, I wouldn't say we all panicked, you know, but we were, we, we were pretty scared when we saw those numbers, uh, you know, back in April last year. It was I very, very uncertain. Panic. I don't like to think we didn't panic. Well, I don't, I, I don't think, I, we I think panicked. they were frightening. I think they were frightening, uh, but yeah. we, Dog deep, surely. Of course we did, of course. But it, it was it was a, it was a very uncertain and pretty yeah. scary at the time because we'd just never been anywhere like that. But you know the way that people bounced back and rallied round and uh, people worked so incredibly hard, you know, across the board. And um, yeah, so it's it's been so sort of brilliant in the way that everyone's adapted. Um, but, you, you know, there's been times when it's been really tough. I think I've just struggled with the isolation at times. Well, you you're know. in the office today. So Sasha and I are both still um, recording this from our respective homes, but you're, you're gloriously back in the office. Yeah, well, I'm coming in two or three days a week and because I just love being in the office. And it's not full, it's fairly sparse, but there are people. 
and I just feel a bit different when I'm in the office. I think I've just spent so much time, you and know, I'll... in in the room that I am in. We've all got our rooms, haven't yeah. we? It's a bedroom or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm one of the lucky ones. We've got a garden and I've got a, a, a decent space and everything. So, but I think I do just feel a little bit isolated at times. You know, you're there all day on your on your Todd. Um, so I, I love coming in and I love seeing people, even if it's only a few people and having a little chat um, or grabbing a bite to eat or something like that at lunchtime. So I'm I'm doing it all I can. So. Obviously, we've all had our resilience tested. Is there anything that you'd point to in your career or your life in general that that taught you the skills to have that ability to dig deep, to to pull through? Um, yeah, I I I I think a couple of things really, because yeah, you mentioned resilience, and everyone's had to be incredibly resilient. <laughs> um, you know, me, you, and every and everybody has had to had to be that. There was no no other choice, was there? I think um, I definitely think sport has helped me. You know, so you know that I like to do a bit of sport and um, pro- probably identify someone who you, you know does a bit of sport and likes to keep fit and healthy and all that kind of thing. And I've done my fair share of endurance sports, and I think there's something that doing endurance sports teaches you is the ups and downs you know if you're running a marathon you could be at mile 10 and feel absolutely terrible and wonder how the heck you're going to get to mile you know 20 20, um is it four or six how long a marathon is um but then you know two miles later you feel great and suddenly you've picked up and you've got your energy back and you've got kind of a second wind um, and you feel wonderful again. And so, you know, you get used to these ups and downs and you get used to knowing that when you're not feeling good, it is temporary and it is going to pass. And the key thing is not to go too far down the rabbit hole in the tunnel of feeling of of feeling rubbish, I think, because if you focus on it too much, um, you've got to remind yourself it will pass. It, you know, you, you're going to get your second win and you'll pick back up again. And it's perfectly normal. So I think I think those kind of sporting experiences do translate to work sometimes when you're you know, you are you are feeling pretty tested, as everybody has felt in the last uh, last year, 18 months. Um, and I think confidence as well. Confidence is really important in those periods of time. Um, and I think the thing about resilience is. I think I said this to you recently, so I, for me, resilient, being resilient isn't having brought this idea of broad shoulders and carrying the weight of the world and people putting more onto you and you saying, it's okay, I can carry this, I can deal with it, you know, I've, I've got the strength. I think actually resilient people have the, have, have, have the power to remove some of the pressure off themselves and actually being resilient is taking pressure off yourself and I think that's something I, I'm able to do is, is sort of remind yourself that no one's going to die <laughs> um, mm. apart from yourself one day and actually when you do you'll you know this moment that you think is incredibly important and incredibly testing right now um, will be completely insignificant so just get some perspective step back you know remind yourself that you'll be okay everything gets done in the end you know we always sort everything out 
And if it doesn't go your way, it will still be okay, you know, because it, it always will be. And I think if you can have those kinds of chats with yourself um, and with people around you, then that just lifts a little bit of pressure and gives you a little bit of space between you and whatever you think this daunting situation is. And I think I think that's really important. And I think there's been so there's been such a big movement around mental health in the last 18 months because of everything that's been going on. I think I hope people have got more insight into those things. I I think I feel like I've got a lot more insight into, you know, being aware of who you are and how you're feeling and checking in with yourself. And I think the other thing that I've learned is talk to other people as much as you can. And I think that goes back to that isolation thing. I think because I felt isolated at home on my own, I've I've had to go and talk to people about stuff because it hasn't just naturally happened in the office. And I've I've felt that, you know, again, being at home on your own, you haven't got anyone just to turn to like that. So I've had to make an effort to try and talk to just friends and family and go in the kitchen and say to anyone that will listen, oh, this is happening. <laughs> you know, can I just get it off my chest and unload this for a minute? Um, so hopefully everyone sort of, I don't know, just become a little bit more self-aware with those th- those mm-hmm. things. And maybe that's one of the good things that will come out of this. And I see it all the time. You see it in the media all the time. You see it with the Olympics at the moment, don't you? I mean, they're yeah. having a discussion on TV. You know, everyone's talking about the athletes and their mental well-being. The the famous uh, uh, gymnast who um, pulled, pulled out. Yeah, it's yeah, so you, isn't it? You know, there's just like this massive awareness. Last Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, I've lost my thread now, but, um... but it was it was basically it's it, I, the the thought that you've got in there, which I think is really interesting, is that resilience is based on kindness to yourself, which is very important because, of course, if you don't look after yourself, everything else falls down. Yeah, and there's only so much pressure anyone can take. I don't care who you are. I, I you know, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, there's been a massive push within the company to um, make stable change across diversity and inclusion and also to make everyone aware of belonging. Um, what does belonging mean to you, especially within the workplace? What does it mean to belong? Yeah, well, I think I've been really fortunate on this because I have felt like I've belonged at Medicom, hence, <laughs> you know, my my long career at Medicom, the the two things go hand in hand, and I've always felt very fortunate that I've worked in a place where I felt like I do fit in, and that was always the thing. You know, people would say, you know, you've been at Medicom so long, Nigel. You know, you not thought about going anywhere else. Of course, I've thought about it from time to time, um, but one of the things that's kept me there is absolutely that sense of feeling like you're part of something. And it's just so important. And I think, I think, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's as simple as feeling like you can be yourself. You know, you're accept, accepted for who you are and you'll be forgiven your mistakes. You know, if you, if, if you do make a mistake, then, you know, it's allowed. It's, it's mm-hmm. okay. And I think that comes off the back of also feeling like people believe in you. I think you said you used those words to me once, Sue, and they just seem to sum it up so much. I, I think I think you said it to me. I think you said, you know, we believe in you, Nigel. I think I was probably having a heart to heart with you um, at the time and, and may, maybe feeling a bit unsure about where I was and what I was doing. Um, and those words really made so much sense to me and really resonated. 
And I think if you feel like people believe in you, then you know that they will forgive you your mistakes and you know that they're valuing what you do. And yeah, I think 99% of the time, that's how I felt at Mediacom. <laughs> um, you know, from, from time to time, we all, we all have a little crisis of confidence now and again, but uh, the vast majority of the time. But yeah, just feeling like you can be yourself. And I know that's not the same for everyone. Um, you know, not everyone has the same experience working in the same company, clearly. But I think what we're trying to do is, you know, make that more the experience for as many people as we possibly yeah. can. And, and work as hard as we can every day to do that, I think. that's Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, honestly, that's one of the things I've always felt about this company is, you know, when I was a, a younger man in, you know, more junior positions, I, I looked up to, you know, people like, you Sue and and all the others and I thought well you know they're really trying no, they obviously, not... obviously not all we're both standing up because I'm not sure <laughs> sorry that's that's, that's making a serious point here but yeah you're right we we do try we try yeah we do and that you know you everyone you know we, all, we always talk about culture don't we everyone everyone talks about culture well you know if you've got a culture where people in senior leadership positions are trying their best to make the company as the best possible experience they can for people, then that already is a great culture. And I think, you know, and it should go both ways, right? If I'm forgiven some of the mistakes that I make, well, you know, I'm going to forgive, you know, the people sitting at the top of the tree some if they don't get everything right as well. If, if I can see they're trying, then that counts for a huge amount. And I think we've always had that culture of trying, you know, and that that just speaks so much because you don't get everything right and not everything's perfect. Yeah. But we do try. We do try. We um we and we and we will keep trying. Um, we uh about halfway through, a bit, bit more than that, scary. End of July, twenty twenty one. What do you hope to achieve by the end of this year? Well, I'd love to get back in the office. You mean everyone? Yeah, 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 sorry, I'm in the office. But uh, whatever the new normal is going to be, I can't wait for it to happen. I guess that's not a goal, but um, it's definitely a wish. I don't think we're necessarily going to be back in the office in the same quite same way because not everybody is feeling the same as you about that. No, 100%, and I totally understand that. I mean, you know, I I can. I wouldn't but say the nation able to be back in the office. I think that's the that feels. Yeah. Like, does that feel in sight now? Do you think? Well, it, it, I, I was very frustrated just personally, and look, I totally understand. I think some people are different ends of the spectrum, yeah. aren't they? I'm, I've all you know throughout COVID, I've always been a little bit gung ho, and mm. you know, I'm I'm personally not that. Uh, you know, I think I had it early on mm. uh, anyway, and now I've got mm. double jabbed and all the rest of it. So. I've never personally been and I've not had someone in a really vulnerable situation at home that I was concerned about. But I completely get that other people feel very quite different. Yeah. feel very different. And mm-hmm. I you know, my expectation was after Freedom Day, it was kind of right, great, you know, the government having scared the living daylights out of everyone for uh, <laughs> over a year or so. Um the government, you know, is now is kind of saying, No, it is safe to go outside. But it clearly has not been that simple and, you know, clearly then, well, people are still people, very concerned. And well, a lot of people need to be vaccinated. Pinged. That's still true, but also an awful lot of people got pinged 
for freedom. Yeah. So actually found themselves back locked down. But, yeah, yeah. So I, I was kind of really looking forward to us, you know, trialing, coming back to the office in July and August. Well, it was going to be August, actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and that's had to be pushed back and, and delayed. So look, we'll get there, won't we? we but fingers we'll crossed. Get, we'll get, certainly get somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We'll get to the new normal. So moving on to our personal questions now. Um, what is your favourite line from a poem, song or a book? Oh, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this one and I didn't really uh, prepare for it brilliantly, did I? I should have, I should have put good. more... I should have prepared. Um, well, look, one that one that springs to mind um, is is the opening line of a Smith song. Um, this charming man, I love the Smiths because they're from Manchester, as I am, and um, I love I love the Smiths because they've got this kind of you know obviously incredibly morose um, you know set of lyrics and an approach to to everything. Yet yet this quite kind of upbeat music and. A, a big sort of sense of sarcasm around it, I suppose, kind of slightly tongue in cheek. So it's this kind of being being morose but happy and cheerful about being morose, kind of strange strange mix, anyway. So um, which I suppose is all about being a teenager, isn't it? <clears throat> which was which was when I uh, fell in love with the Smiths. But no, they have this song which I think is is a brilliant opening line. Uh, this charming man, which is. Uh, Punctured bicycle on a hillside desolate. Will nature make a man of me yet? Um, which I just sort of, you know, Morris is singing this song. And I thought, where, where did he conjure up this idea of being stuck on a hillside with your, your, your punctured bicycle? Um, and sort of asking, you know, when am I going to be a man? Um, and, and obviously the lyrics go on and... and um, you know, it's it's all about I haven't got anything to wear. I would go out tonight, but I haven't got a stitch to wear. Um, but yeah, cl- classic kind of um, morose and odd and uh, strange thoughts from Morrissey. So and moving and moving, right? Yeah, good. it's 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 Very yeah. You, you need to listen to the song because uh, the the guitar is it's not quite the same without the music and the guitar. Um, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I put in? into a magic circle to summon you, Mike. Summon me up. Um, They have to be commonly available and I'm not allowing phones. Can I just say? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're all lost without our phones, aren't we? I mean, mean, Audible springs springs to mind. I mean, it's not a thing, but um, something that I I enjoy a lot, actually. uh, We could allow that. I don't know if you'd allow an app. Audible. Oh, well, no. A particular Audible, though, it wouldn't be just an Audible. Well, the app that, you know... You the app. OK, we'll, we'll allow that, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I can swap I'm it really... for something else. But, um, yeah, Audible's been really transformative for me okay. because um, I I spend, and this will link into some of the other things, so the other things that you could put in the circle possibly would be definitely my bike, so put a, my bike. A, a bike. We'll put a, a bike. Yeah, a it doesn't good have to be my bike. bike or? Yeah, ideally, yeah. You know, some something carbon and expensive and, and goes fast. Sure. Um, and then may, prob- probably as well, you just add in the trainers and the goggles okay. um, for the running and swimming. Yeah. Because those are the three things that I like to do when I'm not working and not with a family. Um, 
And the Audible app sort of goes with those quite well, apart from the goggles, because I don't listen to any books when I'm swimming. But when I'm running and cycling and those kinds of things, um, perfect opportunities now to really enjoy a good book as well, um, which has been quite transformative, like, yeah. like multitasking in that way, you know, because I struggle to find the time to read um, or maybe I just don't make the time to read, whichever way you want to say it. But I suddenly find I do have the time to listen to books, which is uh, wonderful. And I think that's four. So you've got one more. Oh, have I? Um, uh, probably. Um, so it would be either the silver pendant that I got from my dad when he died. That's uh, lovely, but that's which, a specific object. Oh, it's a specific object. I, it has to be something that I can, yeah. That it, you it, can it, get. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to, sorry to. So it has to be one other thing. Oh, so something more general. Well, favorite, what favorite. about a pint of lager? I think, you know, because after all that running, cycling yeah. and swimming, it's just great to have a cold beer, isn't it? It is. Sounds like a plan. What is your single best skill, Nigel? Single best skill. Um, does it have to be like a skill or as, as opposed to something like resilience and confidence does it have to be actually something that I can do? A little bit more open on those so yeah, if you would like to say resilience go ahead I think I think the I think maybe it's a combination of resilience and confidence and that sounds a bit arrogant I know because you're kind of talking about yourself and saying you know, aren't I so confident and resilient but um, That's very confident Well it uh, well, it does sound a bit arrogant, I think, and 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't want it to sound arrogant because I I I, I don't think it'd be like that. At what all. you know, you can do. Well, I I read this great book by Professor. I listened to. Should I correct myself? A great book by Professor Steve Peters. He's a psychologist. Wrote that Chimp Paradox. May well have read it. And he talks about confidence in the book there. Uh, and he talked, you know, he's he's coaching people like uh, Victoria Pendleton, you know, when she was getting ready for the Olympics and those kinds of things and winning world championships. Um, and he said most people rate their confidence on their ability to achieve something. So, you know, if, if I if I want to win the gold medal, what's my ability to win the gold medal? If I want to jump this high, what's my ability to jump this high? And he said, um you know, the, there's only two ways that you can increase your confidence in that situation. One is improve your ability, naturally, so learn to jump higher. The other one is just kid yourself that you can do it even if you can't, you know. So it's brainwash yourself to believing you can do something if you're not sure, which is probably never a good idea. Um, he said, but what, what a small number of people do is they base their confidence on not the outcome, but their they're trying their 100% hardest to achieve what they want to achieve. And he said, and that's what you should focus on. So back to that, are you, have you done as much as you can? Exactly. Just are you doing everything that you can in your control to get whatever it is you want to get? And just focus on that and, and release the pressure of the outcome because no one can control the outcome. Anything can happen. You might lose the pitch. You might lose the race. Yeah. You might lose the account. You know, your girlfriend might leave you anyway. Um, you, well, you know, but you cannot control these things, but you can do your best and do everything you can. So uh, focus on that and be, yeah. and then you can be 100% confident in everything. Because you say, I'm 100% confident. I'm doing all I can. 
And you know, it's such, it is so freeing. It um, really is freeing. It's what my mum always used to say to me about exams. She used to say, if you've done your best, that's, that's brilliant. Don't care what the outcome is. Yeah. Phil, if you're saying you've done your best, then, then that's what you, that's congratulations. That's, that's it. That's the, um, what would you practice more if you had the time and the space? Uh, what would I practice more? Um, Probably something like mindfulness. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, spent, I think I've dabbled with, um, journaling in the mornings, um, doing mindfulness and different things like that. And I find them really useful, but I've been a bit hopeless at really making them stick. And I think it's challenging for me as well because I'm always trying to squeeze in the bike ride and the run and, you know, these other things kind of before work more often than not. Um, and I've, ne- I've never really, I'm, I'm a bit envious of people who say, you know, I meditate every day for 20 minutes. Mm. I kind of think, oh, God, that must be brilliant. You know, I, I could see the benefits of that. Would yeah, be it's really transformative easy. for me. I mean, and I yeah. actually 10 minutes every day would, would and to, to go, you know, I, you can find 10 minutes every day. Well, you're right, Sue. You, I, I, you are so right. So it's just a question maybe of when and making the habit stick. Do you not feel as if sort of mindfulness can be found in, like, for example, Nigel uh, does running or swimming? Don't you feel like there's the element of, I guess, peace or something he finds? There is. There is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's different. Yeah, it's not exactly the same. I think it's different. I mean, I, yeah. I swim every day. As well, and 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 the peace that I get from that is different from meditation. Yeah. yeah. Although I I listened to a psychologist on a podcast talking about running and cycling and those things where you're moving, mm-hmm. and he talked about the eye movement going from side to side. So if you're jogging along, your eyes are just moving from one side to the other and doing that sort of you know just checking what's in front of you, and they've proved and they've linked that eye movement to calmness and relaxation and so you know kind of clearing your mind you wouldn't get it if you were running in the gym in the same way would you maybe not but they've th- yeah. there's a whole new technique of yeah. meditation which is about moving yeah. your eyes from yeah. side to side which is kind of replicating that so it's i think that's a really great question sasha but I think maybe that's one of the reasons I, I don't do mindfulness as much is because I'm getting a little bit of that in a different way in those other things. completely understand that. Um, I only mentioned it because over the last year I found sort of peace in running and music. So yeah. both is what's given me my peace. But anyway, yeah. that's a, that's a totally that. Um Where in the world, real or fiction, would you like to live and why? Um... I mean, the first thing is London is a great city. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't think I'm in a bad place because it's got so much to offer. I, I probably, it would probably be fictional. It would, it would probably be somewhere. Well, maybe not fictional. I think these places exist in the world, but I'd, I'd love to live somewhere kind of in between mountains full of snow where, you know, you can go snowboarding and the fresh air and the altitude mm. uh, in the winter cycling up them in the summer um, and then very close to a beach, you know, with some rollers coming in and a bit of surf. Um, so you've got this kind of ocean and mountains combination and then probably some 
wonderful metropolis that was interesting and had culture and excitement and restaurants and friends and lots of community kind of in between the two of those. Um, so I don't know, is that Los Angeles or something? Yeah, I was going to say, it, sounds, it does sound a bit like California. <laughs> it could be California. Sounds, I think we'd all like a bit of that. that <laughs> right, the question you cannot prepare for from the School of Life. Um, I'm, I'm holding up three cards, A, B or C. Uh, B, please. The middle one. Okay. It says, what makes you envious? Ooh, what makes me envious? Um, I mean, the thing that springs to mind is, I suppose, mental freedom. <laughs> um, if, if it sounds a bit strange, but um, I, I, I do quite often listen to this guy called Peter Crone. Um, he, he's a bit of a sort of sports psychologist and he talks a lot about mental freedom. Um, I find it quite inspiring. And I think there are some people in the world who have managed to, you know, cultivate that peace of mind for themselves where they can, on the one hand, strive for things and really want to achieve things and challenge themselves, but at the same time have this incredible ability to find lots of peace of mind um, and, and, and sort of somehow, you, you, you know, not be overwhelmed and too stressed out about all these things they want to achieve, but still be highly motivated. Because mm -hmm. anyone can sit on the top of a mountain, do bugger all and be peaceful. Yeah. But we don't we don't all want to do that forever. <laughs> you know, like, great. OK, I know I could go and do that. 10 minutes meditation a day. Yeah, maybe that's all it will take. Maybe that's what I'm missing out of. But yeah, I'm, env I'm envious of the people that can really strive for things. Yeah. But also find that peace. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, I'm sure one day you will find that peace, Nigel. Oh, thank you, Sasha. That's really encouraging that you say that. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, we wish you all the best and we hope to have you again very soon. Oh, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.